We're looking in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. I do not um, feel like I will get through all that I would like to say concerning this particular uh, subject and uh, message that the Lord has given me, but we will at least begin. We will, we will get started here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. Paul is speaking, and he said, and least I should be exalted. This is really, this is really important that you get you get on board with me, track with me from the very first sentence. He said, least I should be exalted above measure. All right, now, just to help you understand, it isn't that God doesn't want you to have position, okay? But there are certain places and dimensions and positions and levels in him that he will reserve only for his power and glory, right? And he said, Paul said, least I should be exalted Don't let people tell you God wants to always keep you down and keep you under his thumb and and you can never achieve or arrive or excel. That's, That's not what's being said here. He's just saying, Paul is saying, least I should be exalted above measure. Of of the place that is right and good and fitting. And he said, through the abundance of the revelation. He said, I can be exalted because of all of the revelation. The abundance, the many revelations that have come to me. He said, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. Least I should, here it is again. Here, Here is that same same phrase, be exalted above measure. Twice in, in this one verse, he talks about being exalted above measure, above the necessary place, above the rightful place. And he, he, he reiterates it. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. I, I asked the Lord to remove this thorn three different times. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my weakness or for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Everybody say strength. He said, my strength, here it is. And and he's explaining my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Amen. Now, I don't know that Paul would have been able to 
write this, share this, reveal this to us had he not been in the position that he was in, in the challenging place that he was in. He could write out of that, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Everybody say there's a trade here. Sometimes we want the power of Christ. We want the revelations of God. We want the big, great, wonderful things of God without the weakness, the infirmity, the challenge, the thorn, the trial, the setback. And he said, but if, I, if, if, if it comes that way, then I'll face whatever I need to face as long as I have this assurance that the power of Christ will rest on me. I would rather have his power in my struggle than be left alone in my victories and have no presence with me. Amen. So let me talk to you for a little while today about perfect strength. Everybody say perfect strength. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing Has anyone felt an increasing amount of pressure, struggle, or challenge in your life? Thank you, Molly. You're you're waving at me back there, standing. We, everybody, I mean, I, I doubt, I doubt there's anyone in the building that would say, no, I haven't recognized anything out of uh, the ordinary. It's all, it's all going smoothly. I think most of us here would say, yes, uh, as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, amen, as we get closer to this thing winding up and, and, and ending, if you will, then we feel this increasing amount of stress, this increasing amount of of pressure and even challenge. The Bible talks about our days needing to be shortened because of the struggle that gets so real, that the days needing to be shortened because of the problems being so adverse in our lives. I can't even begin as a pastor to tell you all of the conversations that, that I I have that end up revealing an undue amount of increasing pressure in this hour. I talk to people uh, on a daily basis that tell me of the struggle, the pressure, the problems, the difficulties, things that they never imagined, situations that are beyond their control. Can anybody bring a witness to that and say, yes, I know what they're talking about. It seems like every family, every marriage, every uh, situation always comes back to there being an overwhelming amount of challenge issued to us today. And I'm not going to paint with a broad brush, so I don't want you to feel that way. In fact, I'm going to say some things that I believe will be specific. If not today, next week when we can we, we continue on in this message. But, but there are some things that are avoidable in our lives, and there are some things things that are unavoidable in our lives. I mean, there are some things that uh, are self-inflicted and there are some things that are not. 
Some people bring on their own challenges. They bring on their own struggle. They bring on their own difficulty. And then uh, there's others that things come and they had nothing to do with it at all. They, they didn't do one thing to uh, cause this aggression or this problem to arise. Some people, they live in a self-inflicted uh, state of misery all of the time. And then there are others that they just can't figure out why trouble always seems to show up in their life. You're doing everything that you you know to do. And I will speak specifically toward this reality. I want to go for a few minutes to the book of Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, there are a few verses here that I'm sure if you've been around the church for any length of time, you have heard this reference. But I wanted to slow down and read the verses from Isaiah 14, 12 through verse number 17. This is what it says. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart... All right. Now, now track with me here for a few moments, and if you can connect this with our text that we read out of Second Corinthians twelve. This is what he said: "You have said in your heart, I will ascend." All right. Remember, Paul was saying, "I'm not going to exalt myself." All right. But on the flip side of this, we have Lucifer's. Issue and his issue was him saying, I will exalt, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the cloud, I will be like the Most High. He is on the other side of what Paul is talking about. You have Lucifer declaring five different times, I will ascend, I will exalt myself, I will get to a place of position and authority where I am the one to look to. He's explaining all of this and saying how he feels. And then we read, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. He's saying, you said you were going to do all of this, but the reality is you will be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee saying, I love this, what will be said about him. Is this the man? (laughs) Is this the source of all of the trouble? Is this the one that caused all of the challenge, the difficulty, the setback, and the struggle? Is this the man that made the whole earth or made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? When you think about struggle and you think about challenge and you think about setback and you think about problems, can I tell you the source of all All of that is the adversary, but there is coming a day when he will be looked upon and the question will be asked, are you kidding me? Is this really the one that was behind all of that? 
that I thought was so imposing that I thought there was no way through or around or over and impossibility was all I could consider. Here is what the Bible is saying. Even though the adversary was, was, was declaring, I will do this, I will ascend, I will be exalted, I will be in control, the outcome of all of that is a fall. The outcome of all of that is being stripped from what authority and power that you had been given. And we see this, this I will self-reliance. Everybody say self-reliance. See, sometimes in life when, when we're facing challenges, we just, we just square our shoulders and say, I'll take care of this. I'll fix this. I'll work my way through this. I'll take care of this. I'll I'll get to the other side. And it's a self-reliance that we have. And that has its foundation in the attack, if you will, of Satan on humanity in the Garden of Eden. When we go all the way back, we know that at that fall, when the attack came, one of the things in the fallen nature of man is is that we would be self-reliant, that we would just get to the place where we would depend upon ourselves. And this this was the separation that, that was so vast between God and humanity. And believe it or not, we all have to battle this every day. We have to battle this self-reliance. We have to battle this thinking that I, I can just depend on me and mine and we'll get through this. When What God wants us to do is look to Him. What He wants us to do is rely on Him. What He wants out of our life is that no matter what we may be facing or what we're going through, that we would never think that we can do it on our own but that we would just say I need his help today I need his mercy today I need his grace today I need his word today I need his direction today I see so many people that are trying to get through life uh, uh, attempting many other things but what we need is the Lord look at your neighbor and say what we need is the Lord What we need is the Lord. I I need to get to the place where I I can lay it all down. Here's what we find in a search of Scripture. Jacob was all about what he could produce on his own. Jacob was all about what he could create, what he could manufacture in his human strength. And we see it throughout his life and the many encounters that he had. In fact, if you were to read through Genesis, the 25th chapter, chapter through verse 22 through 26, you would find that even at birth, Jacob was grabbing a hold of his brother's heel. It's it's the example of this driven nature of man that I will be in control. I will be in charge. And he literally has a, a hold of his brother, twin brother's heel. But something interesting about this reality is even though Jacob 
Jacob would rely on personal strength for much of his life. It was revealed that his older brother or the elder would at some point serve the younger. It was there are two manner of men in your womb and there is a struggle going on. This is before they were ever born. Here's what was said about them and there's coming a day that the older or the elder will serve the younger and we see this in Jacob doing everything in his power even as an unborn child to prove his dominance and control. When you go through his life, it wasn't uh, too many years later that he stole his brother's birthright. His brother comes in from the field and he's hungry and weary. And Jacob says, well, Esau, I have something fixed here. Uh, You're not going to live anyway if you don't eat. And so the Bible tells us that there was an exchange that was made and uh, Esau sells his birthright to his brother Jacob who is self-reliant who is doing everything on his own then he uh, ends up taking the blessing from his brother he gets to the place where he's conniving and he's scheming and he gets his mother involved in the process and he takes not only a birthright but now he takes his brother's blessing from him and this causes him to need to go on the run and he ends up in his uncle's home he ends up at Laban's house for some 20 years and he's working there and he's conniving and he's scheming and he's doing what he can to grow his uh, herd of cattle and he's setting certain uh, animals in front of their feeding stations and he's putting reeds in front of them and he's talking about their color and their spots and what he can get. He's always relying upon Jacob, what Jacob could get, what Jacob could do. It started by grabbing his brother's heel, taking his brother's birthright, taking his brother's blessing and now taking from from his uncle Laban, livestock, and growing all of his wealth. But there was something greater happening here, and it needed to materialize, and the only way it could materialize was when Jacob heard that his father was dying, and he wanted to go home. He'd been gone for so long, and as far as we know, the last encounter he had with his father he had worked to his own advantage and took it took advantage of his ailing father's sight so now he's hearing that his father is dying and he's going home and he's this Surplanter. He's this conniver. He's this self reliant individual. And something had to change for Jacob. And what had to change for him was Jacob needed to die. And the only way that this self reliance was ever going to come to an end 
was if Jacob faced a death. And the Bible said in Genesis 32, verse 24, and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled with the man until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name and he said Jacob Jacob represented conniver schemer surplanter self-reliant in control depending on himself this is this is what he said what is your name and he said Jacob and he said thy name shall be called no more Jacob that part of you is dying that part of you is coming to an end that part of you will cease to exist but Israel for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed so we see here in this encounter that the old man Jacob had to die there and something new had to be birthed in him which was his purpose and destiny and that was Israel. Somebody shout Israel. When the strength of Jacob died, the power of Israel was birthed. As long as you think you can handle it, as long as you think you can control it all, as long as you think you have it worked out, God will let you just continue down that path on your own. But at the moment you say, something has to change in me. Something has to turn in me. I'm not letting you go until something happens in my life. Jacob was desperate. He didn't want to be that same man that he had been he didn't want to keep living that same life he had been living and so he said I'm not letting you go and there was pain involved there his hip was put out of joint we see that he goes away from this experience with a limp in his walk he was never the same again because Jacob died there and Israel was birthed there when we get to a place where human strength is depleted then all of a sudden it's amazing how it happens we start relying on the power of God we don't rely on the power of God until things get tough most of us we don't rely on the power of God until things get hard we don't rely on the power of God until we don't have anything else we can turn to and it's at that moment when God can step in and begin to perfect strength in our life because what we can't do on our own he can and what we can't get through on our own he can and what we can't work out on our own he can but it's a sad tale and it's always the same for most of us we never start relying on him until we're weak (laughs) until we can't do it on our own anymore I, I'm, I'm just here, and I'm not going to go any farther because there's a lot more I want to say, and I, I don't want to get into it today. I just want to say that when you go through storms in your life, you, you, you can attend churches where, where they're going to do everything in their power to encourage you to have mind over matter, modern and ancient psychology, they're, they're, they're going to preach to you all type of stuff that's self-help, self-reliance. 
depend on what you can do, get your life together, get things in order, get it all fixed and straightened out and get the right relationships and make the right connections and, and everything's going to work out in your life. Come on, read the Bible again. He said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So if, 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 if you're going to a church or you're listening to people or you're reading stuff that's telling you everything's perfect in your life minus him, you can figure it all out, you can work it all out, you can, you can get your life together, you can fix it all, then why do we need him? There's a lot of churches that don't need him, but they're still called churches. He said about churches in Revelation, one of the churches, he said, when I look at you, I see that you don't have like You are in need of nothing. One of the indictments against the church uh, there was that you, you think you don't need anything. But I see that you're depleted. I see that you're broke. I see that you're wasted. I see that you're, listen, if you're depending upon what you can do, then, then, then you're always going to come up short and there will be a letdown for you over and over again. Don't shy away from the challenges that come, but realize it's in those moments that God can step in and do something for you. He can turn situations around. I'm not saying not to do your part do your part but know that your part is not what makes up the difference your part is just what encourages him to get involved with it but if he doesn't get involved with it it isn't going to work out anyway so I need God every day I need his strength every day I need his peace every day I need his mercy every day I need his grace every day I need his presence in my life every day day. Let's stand together. You'll never, you'll never just read enough books, talk to enough people, align yourself with the right friendships to get to the place where everything will automatically just work out for you. We need God. We need God. <laughs> we need God, I need his strength. And the only way that will come is when I rely on him. Although I may be educated, although I may have experience, although I may have certain connections, at the end of the day, I need him. I've been preaching to you for the last couple of months about our need of him. And I'm coming back to it again and will come back to it again over and over and over. And I would never take advantage of the situation that Faith and her family are in right now. But I can tell you, having walked that road, when pastor doesn't have the right words, and when doctors don't have the right experience, and friendships can't, God can God can step in and bring strength. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When, when life looks like it's impossible and the mountain is too high and the pain is too deep and the hurt is too severe, I'm telling you God can step in and perfect strength in your life in that one moment. The, 
early this morning. In fact, before I ever got out of bed, I laid down last night with Bill on my mind. I, I laid down and have over the last little while been praying throughout the day. And I laid down and before I could get out of the bed this morning, the Lord spoke to me and, and he began to talk to me about Bill. And so I, I, got, uh, I got beside his bed this morning. I told Lisa, I said, I, I just need to go spend some time with Bill. And I, I got the Bible out and I started reading that he, he has peace that passes all understanding. Go read Philippians 4. It's peace that passes all understanding. And, and it's that peace, it's that, that peace that will keep our mind and it will keep our heart. It will keep us, it will keep us in times when doctors can't help. It will keep us in times when it doesn't seem like the answer will ever come. I'm preaching to you today. I need peace more than anything else. And the peace that I need can only come from him and so when I'm weak I'm relying on a strength that's beyond me I'm relying on a strength that's beyond what I can manufacture the enemy wants us to get to the place where we would say I will ascend I will exalt I'll handle this I'll take care of this but Paul said there was given to me a thorn there was revelation that came to me so I wouldn't be exalted above measure he wants us to know I can't make it without him I need God in my life I need him every day. And as Lisa and I sat beside Bill's bed with his eyes closed and I read scriptures to him and held his hand and we began to pray. There was a peace that passes all understanding that just moved into that room. You may feel like you don't need that right now. But you listen to pastor. There will be a day. There will be a day. When you need. That peace. And it will come. Most likely. When you are at your weakest. But I'm preaching, don't give up on him because that's when he shows up. When you're on the bottom and when you're weak and everything is broken and falling down around you, he'll perfect his strength in your life. Let's step out from where we are. And Matt, I want you to come and we're going to pray over people today. Come stand with me, Matt. I'm going to give you this mic. I want you to pray over everybody today. I don't know where you're at, and I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to know that God will give you peace. God will give you strength right now. I really feel the Holy Ghost here. I really feel the presence of the Lord here.